Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Lakshman Nathan. Laksh is the Chief Information Officer of Paramount, a nearly $30 billion revenue company that's one of the world's leading producers of premium entertainment content that connects billions of people in nearly every country in the world. In his role, he owns all corporate systems, most application systems that support the enterprise, all end-user technology, and specialized production teams. He's been in his current role for a bit more than a year, and he joined Paramount through the merger of CBS, where he'd previously worked for 13-plus years, and Viacom. He's led a cloud-first push at the organization, and he recognized that the merger, together with COVID, served as catalyst for remarkable transformation that he has led. I look forward to getting his perspective on all the above and more through this conversation. Lakshnathan, welcome to Technovation. It's great to speak with you today. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to this conversation. Why don't we begin, if you don't mind, Laksh, with your business? Uh, you are the Chief Information Officer of, of Paramount. Most uh, people who'd be listening or watching this would certainly have some familiarity with the business. But why don't you provide a, 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 a bit more of a, an overview of the business that Paramount's in? Sure. Um, so Paramount is a, a large media entertainment company. I think most people have heard of that from at least from a, a Paramount film perspective. But what's what's interesting about Paramount is that, you know, we have so many different brands underneath uh, the umbrella of Paramount. Uh, we have CBS, uh, the, the broadcasting network. We have Paramount Films. Um, we have a, 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 a lot of choices across the cable networks that range from Comedy Central uh, MTV, VH1, BET. Um, and, you know, as a company, you know, we broadcast, we stream, which is our, our probably our, like our biggest initiative right now is to be, uh, you know, a, a you know, strong streaming partner, right, with Paramount Plus as our, as our uh, flagship app, as well as Pluto TV. Um, uh, so across the board, you know, like with Paramount, we're pretty diverse uh, business organization. And I think it always comes up with a, a lot of series of you know, fun and, and interesting areas of, of growth, even as a chief information officer for the company. Very interesting. And, and take a moment, if you would, Laksh, to talk a bit more about what's within your purview as CIO. Sure. Um, as chief information officer, I kind of think of uh, my area as four different pillars. Uh, the first pillar is truly the corporate systems that is your finance, your HR, uh, legal corporate comms, very much what a traditional chief information officer would support. The second pillar is, is really around our revenue areas and the systems that support it. And as I mentioned earlier, there's, there's a lot of different brands, but there's also a lot of different ways that um, Paramount essentially makes money. We make money off the, our ad sales business. We, we have a, an affiliate revenue uh, solution where we work with a lot of our uh, owned and operated uh, stations across the network who, who air our content out there. Uh, we have theatrical revenue. We have participations residuals type of uh, residuals that come across the uh, the area here. So just as you can imagine, as our uh, with just like the number of revenue systems, we we have uh, technology that supports each one of those areas, and that falls into my purview. Uh, the third uh, the third pillar is really all of the end user technology, and that encompasses everything from the service desk, the desktop engineering and client service teams, all the way to the identity, the collaboration solutions, email, um, and um, even Zoom, which is on which we're using today. Um, and then the fourth pillar is really uh, probably a unique thing for a chief information officer is that I've got um, a group of folks who support the production services across many of our CBS and corporate uh, landscapes. And what I mean by that is 
uh, literally we have CBS News, we have um, CBS Sports. I have folks who actually go out to the NFL games and help support uh, the IT and technology in those areas. And then I have also teams that help with a lot of the syndication business across uh, CBS. Underneath the four pillars, um, I, I have a, you know, a design team where I have like a development, I have a PMO team, I've got a data team, um, and a platform automation team that really specializes in, in hyper automation, AI, um, RPA, all the, all the things that are trying, keeping the company stitched together. And it's roughly a little more than a year that you've been uh, in this role. If I did my math correct, correct uh, via CBS and a couple of stints at sort of operating company or, or business unit level uh, roles, another 13 plus as well. Um, can you talk a bit about the um, the process of going from, you know, within a portion of the organization to now global roles and the interaction between the two? No, you know, I've had quite a journey at Paramount. Um, in 2009, I did start off in uh, in the program management office. And then I quickly, uh, I think someone realized I, I have an aptitude for applications as well. So I moved out of the PMO in the first six months and started becoming an application director really fast. Um, and at the time, it was at CBS um, prior to the, the merger of CBS and Viacom, which is now Paramount. And so um, starting in, in what we, I guess you'd consider traditional technology with like ERP systems, um, in that first foray of like of my first year or two, I had the, um, you know, the honor and pleasure of like actually working with every different business unit for various different projects. We were, we were implementing new uh, systems like payroll and various finance systems where I actually got to meet with understanding different groups that are like, like I mentioned earlier, like CBS Sports and, and CBS News. And what was really interesting is that every group is its own business. It literally, it really was a very diversified portfolio. And on one angle, you know, I was learning about publishing from Simon Schuster and another angle from, from uh, some, some of our studio operations. And so I think in the first couple of years, um, a lot of it was about building relationships, learning the business. I did not have a traditional background in media when I first started in 2009, but um, but I learned very quickly. <laughs> and I think a lot of it was thanks to the, the different projects um, that we were doing at CBS at the time. And so over the years, um, I think like just naturally happened is as, as I got through, you know, uh, larger and larger projects and rollouts. Um, you know, I started just inheriting more and more services. Like uh, throughout the years, I inherited like the end user technology areas, the collaboration tools. Um, you know, at one point, like with all of the, because I was do, doing so many business application support and learning the businesses, you know, I, I started having uh, individual CIO, like we were divisional CIO based back in the day. So as we were growing and, and, and really investing more in enterprise solutions across the board, I started inheriting even the the local CIOs who were supporting um, various business applications like at Showtime and Simon Schuster. Uh, I think uh, I definitely had a, uh, I'll call it a very diverse set of projects and initiatives throughout, you know, prior to the merger. Um, I'll tell you when the, the merger happened a couple, uh, like uh, I'd say about two or three years ago, that was when CBS and Viacom um, came together as one company. At the time, we formed under Viacom CBS as the management company. And I'd have to say that was probably one of the most unique situations for me because I've done divestitures, I've done MA, but at a much smaller level, like we would 
we would be selling off of smaller companies, but this was like two major companies coming together and culturally, you know, trying to figure out what, what is our story? Uh, CBS was, was many different companies, Viacom and Paramount, had a different culture altogether. And what I, I would say is that, um, at, you know, when we, when the management companies came together and I was, um, I was basically anointed the, um, the head of enterprise solutions for the whole company. I think that's where I feel like all the work I've done in the past where, um, having, you know, bringing teams together, bringing cultures together, learning from both sides of it, not just coming in saying I'm CBS and, you know, having one mentality associated to it uh, was definitely not something that uh, happened. I, I actually think I learned more from the transition of the team members across the board. Um, and then since then, you know, I, my role definitely jumped more into transformation. And we really focused on the fact that we were bringing a company under like single, single system. So my last three, four years, honestly, has been um, all about transformation and both not just on the technology perspective, but I'd also say um, even just organizationally within my own org, as well as my business partners. And, you know, we got through a lot of transformation already, but we still have a lot still left over in, um, in our world. But I, I do feel like from a team perspective, like we, we've been, I forget who, which company my team members are from <laughs> legacy at this point, that's how much we've merged together. So that seems like a good thing that, uh, that, 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 that they're coalescing to a degree where that becomes less relevant. Yes, um, it def definitely very, is. <laughs> very interesting. And, and, and I can see the advantages of, of the way in which you grew uh, through your career, how it lends itself nicely to having that empathy for the various uh, parts and pieces that have come together in recent years. And, and now with your kind of umbrella of responsibilities across the organization, breathing life into that. I want to return to the four pillars that you noted as areas of responsibility. Um, is your is the way in which your team is organized aligned with the four pillars? Um, in other words, do you have sort of teams that are associated with each of those? It sounded like there was enough difference in terms of how those operated that that would be the case. Please, please explain if you would. Yeah. I would say that there's a little bit of a um, a couple people in each pillar. Let's just say it that way. So, for instance, on the um, on the ERP uh, side of the house, I have a one person who supports all of ERP and the systems associated to that. Then I have a, another leader who supports like all of the the legal systems and and um, various other marketing systems. And it's just it's more about uh, having uh, having those individuals at that corporate level being both the application owners as well as relationship managers for the group. So I know in some cases you've probably seen like local CIOs. I'm a big believer of having the technology leader both be the subject matter expert as well as the relationship manager because it feels like they get a lot more out of the tools themselves. Um, what I would also tell you is that from the other areas, so from uh, from our revenue area, because of all the different work streams, uh, sorry, the revenue streams that we have associated, I have specialists who are who oversee ad sales. I have a specialist who oversees affiliates, and I have a de a definitely someone who supports all of the theatrical and content licensing that's associated to it. Um, on the end user technology, I have a little bit of a different take on the end user technology. I, I really do have like sort of a uh, a nice breakdown of of one leader who supports all my operations day to day across you know your client services, desktop engineering. They, they still do a lot of unique things to improve SLAs and evaluate how um, the, the, let's just say, the, how can we do things better? And then on the other side of it, from an end user technology, 
I, I really have a, a thought leader who really goes out and looks at the newer technologies. Let's and how do we, you know, tie uh, the more advances of things like Zoom and like for you know and and Slack and Salesforce. How do we get these things to even like do more than what they um, they promise from a you know from a vendor perspective? And we always come up with very creative solutions to support it. Um, from the production side of the house, I really do have like one leader who is my sole relationship with those production areas and who has, um, you know, knowledge both on the application side as well as the actual production media business. So it's, so I, I probably have an eclectic group of uh, individuals who have um, um, both the relationship and the development piece associated to, um, to these areas. And can you talk a bit about some of the skills that are on the rise in terms of importance, Laksh, uh, as you think about the evolution of the business and uh, areas in which it's getting into? You talked about some of the the trends associated with it, even as a broader business into streaming and and clearly uh, sort of more advanced technologies and so forth. How does that flow through some of the needs your your team have? And how do you think about the combination of bringing in people with those skills already versus uh, uh, training those who are there for the skills of tomorrow? So what's interesting is that I I feel like in the if you asked me this ten years ago I would have always gone with the mentality of there's a you know business analyst who does requirements and helps with the co with uh, you know defining um, you know QA portions of it and then you have the engineers and developers I think what we what what's really interesting is that in last five maybe six years with the onset of software as a service you're getting a, a, a much more different mentality in technology. And, and when we joined, when we merged together, one of the biggest things was what was going to be our technology stack and how are we you know, pushing forward on it? And one of the things that we definitely, like many companies say, is that we're cloud first. Um, and the reason we went down that path is because we wanted to leverage the more modern cloud technologies, either using our partners like AWS and Google, or if it's a software as a service, that you know, we don't have to worry about like the infrastructure, but we have the ability to stay within a box and configure systems. So I'd say at the time of the merger, um, you know, we, I really did a much more of a, you know, focused look at some of our business analysts and, and how they could become even more technical and how they can own configuration within these software as a, uh, software as a service solutions. Um, in the same sense, my engineers and developers you know, continue to, you know, to make advances on some of these more modern technologies. Um, but they, they too have like a strong configuration background. So, so one of the things that I see at least as foundational is that the, the, the tools of today make it actually easier for technologists to become, um, you know, faster in terms of enabling this. So the talent, you know, what I've been a big fan of is being training in-house within our resources and how do we grow those individuals? And so I found that like with business, people who are business analysts who know a business area, they we've started to develop their skill sets um, with using more low code, no code type of areas. We found that solutions like Salesforce particularly and Automation Anywhere, are like RPA type of tools were really interesting areas where um, I can quickly grow those people's skill sets. They could turn solutions around pretty fast. Um, and like I think that that the, the the onset of the low code no code has definitely been like a game changer for my organization, um, because traditional tech has always been you know you always have that struggle in traditional tech is like when people want to build something you might hear that it takes like five or six months to build. I think one of the things that has been great about some of these solutions is that I have a set of subject matter experts who 
turn solutions around relatively quickly in like two to two months, even depending on the amount of testing. But what we've actually done is uh, gone one step further is started training our business users to actually support some of these solutions themselves. And by doing that, it, it's sort of like, I would call it, it kind of defeats that whole shadow IT kind of concept. We're almost embracing the shadow IT because, you know, because we can only scale that much as a tech team, right? So having, we've made investments and in also making that our subject matter experts can be more like teachers, build the solutions, build it with the users, train them, and then actually have them support their own solutions. Um, and that's something we also did in our first couple of years of the merger, because I, I felt like that, that, that brought joy to our, I think our business users felt like freedom uh, once they knew the guidelines and they knew how to support their solution. And, but they still had tech to come in and, and work with them to say like, if something goes wrong, um, but there was guidelines and posts, you know, so that those so people aren't going too crazy with these type of solutions. Fascinating. And I, I'm curious also, Laksh, uh, to what extent was the merger a catalyst in driving the cloud first uh, adoption? I ask because during mm -hmm. a, a major merger like that, there will be an expectation that change is coming and therefore it can be an, an, an opportunity, frankly, to rethink the way things are done, even, even if it's not uh, employing the practices of one or another, let's choose a third way that is the more modern way. Um, was that indeed a catalyst for maybe a faster pace of change or a, Absolutely. A, a broader logic as to why that should be the case? Well, I'll give you two. There, there's two things that were the accelerators. Um, and I'm sure you hear this one a lot is, yes, a merger, a merger always is like a good way of re-rationalizing things. I think we found that not only was it, it wasn't even like technology that had to say you need to go rationalize. It was like the business units came in and said, hey, I have seven ad sales systems. How do we get to like at least two? <laughs> you know, they can't always go to one, but like, how do you get to that? Um, that was definitely the premise from not just the, from, from our businesses at the beginning of the merger. What's also interesting is four months later when we merged, COVID hit. So we were still in the middle of like figuring out like, how do we, you know, we were on different email systems, we were on various different tools. And so, and as a, a media company, what what we have is like, we had this, we had COVID hit us at the same time as the merger. And I would say that that ultimately like sped up anything in user technology, like went super fast. Um, you know, we made investments with like Zoom, we worked with Slack, we worked with Microsoft. We had all of our partners lined up in a, in a, in a nice, approach. And I think once people had to work from home and they realized they needed these collaboration tools and they needed these video conferencing solutions to work, everyone basically, you know, like embraced the fact that we were, we were trying to, to roll out some pretty, you know, and the technology was working and it was simple. And so I think part of the challenge we had in the first two years right after that was we continued on our transformation programs, but as a technology organization, we supported both our what you call your typical end users who would normally be your office workers. But then on the production side, our production teams had to do, you know, I, I can't give them enough credit for the amount of um, uh, level of efforts that they had to go leaps and bounds um, where like we had production buildings that were like staffed to like a third or less than that in the early days and having people, you know, film from like, uh, from from like their locations, like Stephen Colbert, for instance, did uh, his whole show from his his home, you know, and so I, I, I you can never give enough credit for all of these production service teams who went out um, and came up with some very creative solutions uh, across the board. We we looked at new technologies and how we were doing our editing um, and supporting people 
who used to being very like wired into the building. And like we went from people going into our broadcast centers that physically the computers locked, you know, loaded, connected to the building, VPN. And then the next day, all of a sudden everyone's like, okay, let's figure out our VPN. Let's get let's, these same people who had never been VPNed into it got, you know, started using all the cloud technologies and locking it in. So I would tell you that like uh, from an end user technology, we definitely got in even within our first year, everyone up, you know, on onto our modern technology. And it also helped with some of our, you know, merging of systems on the end user side. Um, and that actually helped accelerate some of our business transformations because a lot of these folks saw that they didn't need to be in our physical locations anymore. And I think they they were more adaptable. That helped lead to being more accepting of more of these software as a service solutions. So I would, I, I hate to say an event like COVID, no one ever wants a situation like COVID, but I think we 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 took advantage of the fact that um, we were in a transformation. We we needed to change really fast. And and that was the second accelerant to, to make sure that we, we moved fast on things. I can also see, you made the point earlier, Lakesh, that, um, uh, naturally when, when the companies came together, there was the initial feeling of, you know, kind of where each, 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 uh, a person team division came from needless to say, and now in a relatively short amount of time, you, you have the feeling at least that, you know, people have melded together. I find that that's really extraordinary given the fact that all of that happened during COVID and you didn't have the advantage of proximity in many cases, um, to facilitate people literally coming together in order to perhaps tear down some of the walls that would naturally be there um, from the different parts uh, of the, the prior organizations that they came from. What do you see as some of the factors that facilitated that change despite that disadvantage? You know, I actually think the, I, I'll jokingly, jokingly say the Zoom boxes <laughs> are very, make everything a very equal playing ground for folks, you know? So when um, you know, we have, we, we were a global company. So we have folks who are in LA, New York, and we have London, various other locations. And what I found out starting with my own leadership team was the fact that, you know, we were conscious of time zones. We were conscious of when we would meet. And I think everyone understood at least when, when, when pre COVID, when everyone's like locked in a conference room and you can't see everyone's faces that I think that that actually causes some more issues that you can't overcome unless you go visit each other. But I think having the Zoom boxes and being everyone in their own little world um, made it a much more equal plane. Um, I think that was huge. I did think that because we had common goals on transformation, I think that that actually helped with bringing people together. Um, part of it was people had to learn what the other side was doing. So if I didn't know what the Viacom process and I'm a CBS person or vice versa, you know, those, I won't, I won't underscore it. It's like, those are the, that's the first, that's a hard part of a transformation, right? Like how do you get people to listen to each other and be open to it? And we found that like, there was definitely middle ground uh, solutions. There were definitely common solutions. Uh, I don't want to name all the common vendors out there, but we did find commonality in how we philosophically use certain, certain vendors. Um, and I think that bridged the gap for a lot. And I think that once people realized we, the, I think one of the important things we also did as the as the merger wasn't like we just didn't say we're going one company versus the other. We took we took a really thoughtful approach on each one of our um, business areas and solutions and said, you know, let's go through the the strengths and weaknesses. Does it fit our cloud first mentality? Does it? Do you need VPN? I mean, like some basic stuff that we went through, and. 
I think people realized once they started having the commonality across these board and like it wasn't necessarily that we were just picking, you know, one company over the other. I think that made a, a huge difference culturally for 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 many of us. So I think that was probably one of the secret <laughs> the secret pieces of it. Very interesting uh, reflections there. I appreciate that, Laksh. Also wanted to ask you, as you look to the future, what are some trends that particularly excite you? Technology, business, otherwise, uh, what, what, yeah. what has you excited as you look to the future? So one of the the thing, I, I, specifically, I, I, I normally answer most people say is AI, and definitely that's on my list of things. Um, I think in our world, what's actually really interesting is because of streaming and how we're working across a streaming company versus a traditional broadcast company. Um, when we first started this at CBS, we had CBS All Access back in the day, and it definitely felt like, you know, um, there was a culture of like the, the the Silicon Valley versus like your traditional tech was was the lines were very drawn back in the day. Um, one of the things that I've seen, especially as part of the merger, is that there's definitely our our, our streaming business is obviously one of the, uh, you know an important focus for us, and I think what we're we're finding is that. Um, having the partnerships with uh, you know, what you consider corporate IT or traditional tech and the fact that the newer technologies are what we're embracing. You know, I think we're seeing a partnership where like you're not going off and, and just developing your own solutions. And I think seeing the, some of the things that our streaming team has been doing for Paramount Plus and Pluto and partnering it with some of the evolution that they're doing to grow, not just the solutions, but even their own culture and their community. We, we've been able to you know, provide um, uh, again, I'm all about like quick and uh, quick solutions. I, I do like quick solutions because it builds a trust with people. And by showing that we've been agile and we're able to deliver things and, you know, we had some really great solutions where we've leveraged ServiceNow as a community solution where we help them to start building out like communities where the streaming development communities can start talking to each other and collaborating in a in a variety way of, of, uh, of doing things. I think that cultural piece for us has been exciting and it's offered up a lot of opportunities for my area so that we could, you know, showcase a lot of our own talent and help with bringing, and, and again, we're bringing multiple streaming teams together as well, too. We're helping with our Paramount Plus team, we're bringing our Pluto team. Um, and I think everyone's been very open-minded about like where we could, you know, uh, provide services and, and advance, help them with their roadmaps. Um, the other piece, uh, you know, is AI. And I think AI has been definitely, uh, you know, depending on if you think it's hype or whatnot, uh, or if it's the the next big thing, I think as a realist with AI, there is definitely some really great solutions that are coming out of here. I think the concept of Copilot, oh, Microsoft has taken Copilot, but like the, the idea of using AI to Copilot with your work and help with productivity is a game changer and something that we've been, driving towards with software as a service. I think that's been the, the beginning days of software as a service was the UI should look nice. It should just be easy, right? And now you throw in generative AI where, you know, literally I can like help write my email or I can summarize data. That's a game changer so much for, um, uh, for many. And I think it's getting, I think the what excites me is in AI, it's two parts. It is one is the, what are the big vendors going to come out with that enables um, AI as as a co-pilot or a partner uh, with those tools? Because I think a lot of people are excited by, you know, excited by Microsoft's uh, investments in here. And I think like a lot of, I, I think Google is going to catch up. I think all of these folks are going to catch up. Um, but I think the excitement of the enterprise tools that people are used to all of a sudden getting a, you know, almost a facelift 
um, to do more and be more productive is very exciting. Um, I do think on the other angle of it is working through our own LM models for very, you know, um, I'll call it business centric um, support, back office support, where things like where we could help with our finance groups or help with our legal teams to really, you know, develop, um, you know, true automation. Um, the other thing about AI is I think AI has been a nice way to showcase tools that we already have in house. So I don't think it's all about going out and, you know, building, you know, you don't, not every solution is a generative AI solution. I think a lot of it is really around the idea that, um, you know, a lot of companies already are doing RPA. That was a big portion of our area. What we found really creative was you can use RPA with generative AI and you can turn something around very quick as opposed to having to build out, you know, your whole LLM model. But um, I'm happy to go into more detail on that one. But that's the, it's, I think that it coming up with, the use cases and coming working with our business partners to figure out what what to zone in on them and what would give them the best value. It's I'm seeing that across all of my technology groups and uh, and my uh, my compatriots at other companies. I feel like that's our our number one conversation is what have you done? What can we share? And like it's it, it's offering up a new sense of creativity that um, I haven't seen in many years. Talk a bit more, yeah, if you wouldn't mind about that experimentation, Laksh. I think it's really interesting the way you've described that and you know the methods you're using. If you would. Yeah, absolutely. No. So, so for instance, like, um, you know, one of the things that uh, we're, we're trying not to use a hammer to solve the problem of every single thing. So if we have a solution, <laughs> so what we're trying to do is a mentality, like we, what we did was we took a two-step part. Uh, we definitely did our investigations across all of our SI part, our system implementation partners across the board, understand their capabilities. How are they looking at AI and how are they, you know, what are we seeing as commonalities across that? So that's, that was like part one of the education. Part two is really sitting down with our enterprise software providers and really understanding like what they think they're building out. And obviously, you know, you see it fast and furiously on the news every time one of these companies come out, but we've been trying to keep close relationships and be on the early adopters, like such as Microsoft, where we're definitely early adopters of Copilot, where we're trying to trying to work through and seeing, uh, you know, seeing firsthand what Copilot could actually do for us. Um, but what what's been an interesting thing is when everyone comes to us and says, oh, I want to use generative AI. I'm like, the, 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 the thing, the art, I guess, is what I'm trying to figure out or what we've, we've been working through is how do we consistently kind of educate at the same time the capabilities, but then also dissect what, what's your use case. And that's been like a, you know, it's not a one size fits all. But we're trying to develop like a nice formula where I can quickly, you know, train various members within the tech organization. You don't have to be an AI expert. You don't have to be everything. But everyone in my organization should have the foundations across AI and developing a, I would say, a quick business requirements and education gathering. Because I find that I spend more time actually educating on on the capabilities of the of of how to build it, how it costs what those, uh, you know, what, what are those factors that people should know about? And I think by doing those smaller meetings with a lot of our uh, different um, executives and business groups, we found that we, we actually get more of a dialogue on what they, they end up trying to do. Like for instance, we, we've developed a solution literally last week where we, we ended up at, you know, talking to our, um, you know, uh, uh, to a certain group and saying, Hey, all we're looking to do is we have a bunch of people go out and like have to go extract data out of all of these um, these websites and get transcripts from things. And what they did was 
you know, as we as we talk through the problem, we're like, oh, well, maybe we can use RPA <laughs> to go out and just do the extraction since we, you know, we have the solution already. But then as we dug into it, they were like, oh, but we also want to ask questions. We want to like kind of get some thoughts around it. And from there, we're like, okay, well, we know that our RPA program also connects into our Azure ID. So we can build up our own leverage, you know, basically chat GBT 4.0 through Microsoft and see, can we just summarize the data? And what we're doing is trying to, to use that example as like, hey, if we build these as like micro solutions and literally show the users how this works, and then we spend like some a couple cycles iterating, and then we make this a you know blessed solution for for the um, for that business area. Um, so my I find that like the you know doing sessions like that is the same approach we've taken with software as a service and low code no code. I found that the more we can get people into smaller sessions quickly show them something and we iterate quickly, people get better educated. I found that you know, three years ago, I have more business users who understand the foundations of Microsoft and Salesforce just because they've been in the tools and they 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 now come to me and ask like, hey, what are we doing at this enhancement? What are we going to do with the features there? Um, so I think that it, that education of our business users has been like um, probably critical for like how we're able to continue to, to expand our services. Um, and it does link into, um, you know, something we're, uh, we're doing as well is because of all of the, this education, all of this training across the board, we've also, um, this year developed, uh, an approach and this is before AI was even a big thing. Um, we came up with an approach called a citizen development program, um, to help take what we've done with training business users and actually make it more of a, uh, a larger enterprise efforts across and offering it out to the entire company. So it's been sort of a, the, it's been a, a, a nice journey to get there, but, but yeah, no, the assistant development is like our way of like really just opening up technology for the rest of the company and giving them opportunities that they've never, that they never thought that they had um, capabilities for. I really like that. Like in a couple of different places in our conversation, you've talked about the ways in which you've elevated uh the knowledge base of the broader team so that the you know the 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 kinds of questions that can be asked the dialogue across the organization is in a higher plane and therefore the value of those interactions and collaborations can be can be uh better as a result yeah absolutely yeah, yeah that's a very fair statement i mean one of the things that because i i have to say because we we've rolled out a lot of we've trained a lot of our business users um I found that like talking to like just even just talking to them about their own um, having them have foundation in the solutions that they're working with um, has just made us in both sides better because I think it allows uh, the you know what we would call more our technology groups to be able to move on and work on new projects whereas you know we don't have to be as concerned about day to day operations as much I mean I think it's important that technology still does that but with some of these solutions. Um, uh, I feel like that that's been, uh, you know, that kind of minimizes that effort and we can actually focus on new things. And trust me, the the demand that we get is, is pretty high already. It doesn't, that, 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 that there's never a shortage for it. Um, but one of the things with that we, I'd like, I'm glad about the system development program is that we put a bit more structure in terms of, of setting expectations with, with folks on education. So the, the way we approached it was, you know, we believe that like for business users, there's there's a set of business users who just want to get some foundational understanding of solutions. But then there's there's also a set of folks who really would like to get more um, 
mentorship or get more actually hands-on training. So what we did was we developed like a um, like a four, let's think of it like a four-step program where like uh, if you go through this program, you can stop at any level of it. But step one is really just going through like core foundation training where you get like an intro, this is the capabilities. Um, can, um, and as, as you get more interested in this, as you go through step two, three, we start having subject matter experts that go out and actually working with them and say, hey, do you, do you have a use case? Do you have something you want to build? And we give them like a, we work with them on a real life project so that we could help them grow their skills. We rolled this out probably in, in early March and we've gotten about like 200 some plus people already signed up at various degrees of it. What we really want to do is I really want to see if we could broaden this to the larger groups, like a variety of different user base across the board. Like I would want like, the client service team members to learn, they want to learn something like a, you know, low code type of solution that they can grow their careers. Or if I can get, you know, uh, you know, analysts uh, in some of our business areas to maybe learn RPA and they can make their jobs a bit better. So measuring out like not just the number of people, but just the quality of the classes and what they're getting out is sort of what my hope is. And we just continue to reiterate on this program and change it so that we start seeing what's popular, What's what? What should we double down? Where can we get partnerships from some of our vendors? Um, but but you know, I think definitely the excitement of trying to get folks to really um, to really grow their technical savvy um, is is a big passion of mine. Fantastic! I wanted to close by asking you, Laksh, about the secrets of your path to the chief information officer role. Uh, you took took that on in the grand scheme of things relatively young. You've had a quite a rise in your and a, and a broad set of of, of uh, experiences of greater and greater levels of responsibility. Uh, what what have been some of the difference makers on your journey to your current post? You know, I, I definitely I have a lot to thank to the, the the people I just work with in general, like my teams, my business partners. I, I really, you know, I think the most important thing I've I try to tell myself is I need to listen and absorb. Um, I've been in, like, you know, as I, I mentioned to you earlier, Peter, <laughs> that like I, I did not start in media. So walking in, it's not like I, I just walked in with like a, you know, a, um, you know, a 10 step program for technology to, that everyone should follow. I found that being adaptable, especially with the nuanced business that I deal with, like uh, on one hand, as I mentioned earlier, it's like when I'm dealing with a production team on one hand, but then when I'm dealing with the corporate office and the other, I think being adaptable and listening has been like just one of those large, like huge efforts for, uh, you know, for my, for my growth. But I also have to say is like from my teams themselves, like you, you're never going to be the all knowing across technology. And I think one of the things that I found that like, as, as I've surrounded myself with probably smarter people than me is that like just learning from, from them and empowering those people to, to do what they're good at and, and, and kind of removing as many barriers so that they can come up with creative solutions. They can support their team members. I think that's been like, you know, I think as I've grown in my career, it's like, I and I like the more and more people who report it into me, I, I, I still try to keep consistent with that because it keeps you grounded. It keeps you, it keeps, when people come to you, they, they feel, I want to make them feel empowered. I want them to feel excited about getting through it. So I have to say just the adaptability and learning have been like the two biggest things for me, uh, you know, as I've grown in my career. Uh, great, great, uh, great thoughts. I appreciate those reflections, Lax. And I appreciate more generally a, a great conversation covering a, 
remarkable uh, stretch of your career uh, now leading to this current post you have, the, the, the transformation that you've led during a, a very consequential time. Appreciate you sharing your perspectives uh, with, with our audience here. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me today. Um, grow their skills.